Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in this week. You know, the impetus behind today's conversation is actually the results of a recent Wall Street Journal poll. In partnership with NORC at the University of Chicago, the survey was conducted of more than a thousand people across a variety of generations um, to weigh in on questions of national identity. Um, things like, uh, well, I guess national identity and religion, ideological issues, the economy, and gosh, a host of other issues. And these results were compared to a similar poll that was done back in 1998. And I, I thought this was an interesting quote from one of this year's pollsters, Bill McInter. Oh, gosh, I'm going to um, <laughs> Bill McInturf, I think is what it said it is. But he says um, the difference in traditional and current attitudes are this quoting him are so dramatic. It paints a new and surprising portrait of a changing America. So you can imagine why we could not resist having a conversation about this. So, Jim, why don't you start off by maybe just giving a summary of the results and then we'll dig deeper into some of the specifics. I'd like for you to pronounce that guy's name three times. Oh, my fast gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, I remember when I first read about it, the headline of, of the uh, of the article caught my attention um, in the Wall Street Journal, which helped sponsor the poll. And it, it just simply read, America pulls back from values that once defined it. Now think about that. America pulls back from values that once defined America. Uh, again, as you mentioned, it was in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it was based on a poll conducted by the Wall Street Journal and the uh, National Opinion Research Center, NORC, uh, that is connected with the University of Chicago. Uh, it found that patriotism and religious faith and uh, having children and other priorities that helped define the national character for generations were just receding in importance uh, for Americans. For example, in 1998, you mentioned it goes back to 98, kind of compares that. Uh, 70% considered patriotism to be important. 62% said the same of religion. Okay, that's just changed dramatically. Uh, in the recent polling, only 38% said patriotism was important, and only 39% felt that religion mattered. That's not a decline. That's a free fall. That's a plummeting. Uh, those are not... Of course, the only traditional values that are in decline that this particular poll charted. The polling also found that the share of Americans who say that having children, involvement in their community, hard work, uh, all of that has has fallen. Um, tolerance for others, which was deemed very important by 80 percent of Americans as recently as four years ago, has fallen to 58 percent since then in just four years. So it really was uh in my estimation, a stunning set of findings that was a, a remarkable window into uh, the radical change in American values in, in just very limited brief amount of time. Now, I know we don't have time to dissect every single finding, but um, there was one question in particular that you've alluded to, and it identified some traditional American values, things like money and marriage, 
self-fulfillment, community involvement, patriotism, and there are a few others. And it asked people, how important are those values to you? And so I want to single out a couple of those, starting with, as you mentioned, patriotism, because as you said, back in 1998, when this question was um, asked then, 70% of people said that patriotism was very important to them. But now, as you mentioned, only 38% of people said the same thing. So with regards to patriotism specifically, why do you think uh, that there has been such a, a massive drop there? Actually, I, I, f- I found that one of the findings that was easiest to understand. In fact, I'll, I'll mention throughout that many of these findings at first glance, you say, what happened? And they, they weren't surprising to me that they were documented in such a stunning freefall way, might have been. But what it means to be patriotic has become so ensnared in partisan politics and competing ideologies that there's just not many people that want to wrap themselves up in the flag. Uh, In other words, patriotism used to cut across party lines and cultural divides, but, you know, that was kind of like the one value, the one touchstone that we all had, but no more. Uh, You know, obviously, if you, it began to wane in the 1960s, um, at least in terms of trust in government uh, with divisions over Vietnam, it came roaring back in the 80s with the collapse of the Soviet Union and the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. It waned a little bit more, but then it came roaring back after 9-11. But nothing affected patriotism more than the pandemic and affected it negatively because it really, really, it changed what it meant to be patriotic, uh, what American value and freedoms meant. And it became deeply entrenched in these, these ideological divides. So, uh, for example, was it patriotic to wear a mask to protect your fellow Americans, as the CDC and the government asked us to do? Or was it patriotic to refuse to wear a mask in the name of personal freedom and choice? You know, it, that, was just a, it, that was just symptomatic of a whole number of things that swept through our culture. Even more divisive, I think, was his patriotism. That might have been like on the on the. The, the right, if you will, been the issue. But on the left, it was, is patriotism a synonym for uh, synonym for Christian nationalism or more of a secular vision of inclusion? And so, so the whole idea of what it means to be patriotic has divided people and made people shy away from the word to avoid being kind of labeled in one camp or another, which is sad to me as an old school fan of patriotism, uh, as someone who loves American history. Uh, one of my books, and forgive me if I go afield here a bit, but one of my books took its title from a page from Patriotism, uh, Serious Times. Uh, it was uh, from a letter that John Adams wrote to his political rival, Thomas Jefferson, uh, toward the end of both of their lives. And he said, My friend, you and I have lived in serious times. And they had. The American colony was embroiled in a a contentious relationship with this mother country, Britain, which would erupt into obviously a declaration of independence and eventual war. Uh, Instead of swift and immediate defeat at the hands of the British, the conflict birthed the new nation that in just over two centuries um, would be unrivaled in power and in influence. John Adams' life. What an amazing life. If people haven't read uh, McCullough's uh, biography on Adams, uh, that's worth a read. But John Adams was uh, integrally involved with the Continental Congress, uh, the American Revolution, 
the writing of Massachusetts Constitution and the negotiation of the Treaty of Paris, which uh, is often forgotten about these days, was a massive treaty. Uh, he served as the first American vice president under George Washington. He then became the nation's second president. Uh, Jefferson, of course, is well known, uh, drafted the Declaration of Independence and then served as the country's first secretary of state. And then he was the second vice president and then he was the third president. Uh, he fashioned the Louisiana Purchase, which did more to shape our country and its future than maybe almost anything else has ever been done by a president. He founded the University of Virginia. Uh, it was fitting that, and again, I know I'm on a rip, but just forgive me. It was fitting that the three that the um, that these founding fathers of America, Adams and Jefferson, both died on the same day, hmm. and it was July Fourth. Oh, interesting. In 1826 the 50th anniversary hmm. to the day of our uh, Declaration of Independence. So, uh, you know, their patriotism mattered. Uh, and during those serious times, it was unclear whether men and women would even rise to the moment that was needed. I, I remember, to, uh, I remember, I, I have read, uh, remember reading of Thomas Paine. Um, he authored a series of patriotic uh patriotic tracts called the, the, the Crisis Papers, hmm. uh, which appeared in print from 1776 to about 1783. And the first of those so stirred George Washington that he ordered it read publicly to his troops uh, late in December of 1776 when the American cause was faltering and it looked like everything was going to be lost. And some of those lines, people may not know they came from Payne's writings, but you know, it was those famous lines, these are the times that try men's souls, you know, and the, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will shrink, but we need people who will stand forward. And and um, and so uh, it proved decisive when Washington's troops heard that were reminded of raw patriotism. Uh, many soldiers, and this is one of those footnotes of history, were getting ready to have their term of service, service expire January 1st. And they were inspired through raw patriotism to re-enlist. And uh, later that very same month, you know, the Americans won at Trenton and the tide of the war was turned and we are a country as a result, which is why, you know, when no matter where you stand on the war of Ukraine, and we've done a, a podcast on that, on the crisis and that I am stirred by their patriotism. Hmm. And I, you know, I, I see glimpses of what we have had in our past and their desire to defend their homeland. And, and I hate that in America, we become so jaundiced about it. But as I started off after my little history lesson, <laughs> the, the reason for it is not, is not surprising. Do you think we're just having a, do you think America is just having a divisive moment? Or do you think that the, the nostalgia of the patriotism that you just described is only a past reality? I think we've just become cynics. Hmm. In, in the worst way, in the worst way about about things. We don't trust anybody. Um, we've reduced patriotism to our own maybe personal views of it, our own personal understandings of it, or we've made it very tribal. And so we would consider ourselves patriotic, but nobody else. And we define what patriotism is in, in light of a certain set of ideologies or a certain agenda. And it really has become where there's very few things that are sacred yeah. that are even tied to patriotism. And again, we have all kinds of conversations about this, but that was for me, the horror of January 6th. Mm. Is there nothing sacred? Uh, yeah. uh, and, 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 um, 
it'd be like almost desecrating the 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 tomb of the unknown soldier or some of these other things that are just I, I, I grieve over that that again I don't equate patriotism with spirituality. I don't equate patriotism with capital S sacred, but I do think there's something that is small s sacred about certain aspects of life that are meant to be and I hate that we've lost it. Hmm. Let's talk about more. Let's talk more about those things that are sacred with capital S, because something that I found interesting uh, with regards to that question that I had mentioned, like with all of these traditional values, was that um, of the values, like two, so belief in God was considered a separate value from religion, which I think was smart um, on behalf of the pollsters because, or the um, Wall Street Journal, because the results showed that belief in God is more important to Americans, Americans than religion is. And not only that, but of the 10, so there are 10 traditional values in that question. Religion came in dead last as the value that matters most to people. So what are your thoughts on that? Again, not surprised. Yeah. Uh, religion has become, I think the word religion has become like a negative, almost like a cuss word, you know, an accusation, you know, a pariah. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of religion is just this idea of some man-made human construct that wields nothing but harm. Uh, something devoid of true spirituality filled with hypocrisy and legalism and made up of dogmas and rules and rituals and, and traditions. Anything but a dynamic relationship with the living God. And, and I get that. I really do, which is why, as you know, around Mech, we say all the time, hey, look, Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. And there's true. And that's true. But but there's more to it than that. Religion, by its very name, um, gives off the idea of something defined. And again, I think this is a, a, a very key cultural insight. It, 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 it's, it's something specified. It's something laid out. It, it's something that is a set of dogmas. It's a set of beliefs, mm -hmm. parameters, if you will. And that is not what people want in our day. Uh, they don't want anything defined, at least for them. They don't mind defining something for themselves. They don't want something defined and then imposed on them. They want things that are more individualistic. Uh, so the response is God, yes. Spirituality, yes. Religion, oh, heck no. <laughs> no, no, no. Which is why you have uh, the rise of the nuns. And in my book, The Rise of the Nuns, um, the nuns are uh, the religiously unaffiliated. You know, when asked about their religion or faith affiliation uh, on various surveys and polls, they don't say, well, I'm Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever, or any defined faith. They simply say, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm a nun. Uh, when I first began researching and writing about the nuns, they made up one out of every five uh, Americans, which made them the second largest religious group in the country. And they were at the time also the fastest growing, but they were the second largest religious group, secondly to Catholics, and they were the fastest growing. In 2021, since then, some of the most recent figures, the percentage of Americans who self-designated as atheist, agnostic, or of no particular faith rose to almost one out of every three adults. Wow. Um, that's up 10 percentage points from where it had been just a decade earlier. So it's not surprising that religion, you know, which would constitute being something rather than nothing, uh, is not something of great interest. And again, as you noted, <laughs> the rise of the nuns or the decline in church attendance and membership is, is not the same as a decline in, in a belief in God. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, in places like the United States, the overwhelming majority are theists overwhelming majority. 
Our research has found that even among the nuns, you just study the nuns, only 21% of the nuns would say that it's because they don't believe in God. Uh, the most common reason offered was that they simply questioned religious teachings. So again, you, you can think of it this way. We have a world full of people open to and even interested in believing in God, but they reject religious pathways to that God, religious dogmas about that God, religious groups that adhere to that God. So the verdict is, in short, God, yes, religion, no. Hmm. I wonder if there's a connection there between not having a specific set of beliefs and then because the, the, the question was is it like how important is it to you and so the fact that people would say that it's just not very important to me at all like maybe i believe in god maybe i don't it's just not that important i wonder if those th two things are connected i don't know that was interesting um, okay, so if religion was at the very bottom, um, marriage and having children, those two values um, were pretty close down there too. Uh, and I'm sure, again, like this is not a surprise to you, but it is reaffirming just to see the data um, put so plainly here. But what did stand out to me was that there actually isn't a big generational divide here. Um, like in other words, Gen Z, all the way to boomers, agreed on the diminished importance of having children. So what do you think about that? Kids are a pain, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course not. My kids are delightful. <laughs> That's what you told me earlier today. You know, I think you can actually group a cluster of, of the findings together in terms of, of cause. Uh, think about it. Uh, why is having children, being involved in our communities, working hard or exhibiting tolerance, which has been the great cardinal virtue, of the last half century. Why have why has all that suddenly fallen out of favor? Well, it's because those particular values are negatively impacted. They, they go to they're 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 at odds with a rise in individualism. Hmm. Um, a me first mentality that puts personal peace and affluence above everything else. As a result, listen, let's be honest, what what our children, if you have a radically individualistic, not almost narcissistic view of, of life, well, I mean, they're an imposition. Yeah. They're a sacrifice. They're a financial burden. Uh, they they take you out of a career, potentially. Uh, they certainly sideline what you could be doing in a career. They, they um, it, Serving others takes away from serving yourself. And so, you know, and, and, and working hard, going at the others, you know, beyond what it takes to stay employed or to advance, it takes away from personal time. And even tolerance, I think, fits into this. As, as the Wall Street Journal reported, uh, one millennial saying, um, it, it flows from people focusing on their own uh, racial or cultural backgrounds rather than what Americans have in common. So even tolerance has shrunk to, I'm going to tolerate, my tolerance is focused on me, making sure the, word, the world tolerates me hmm. and my, my group and my tribe. Um, but there, there is another there is another aspect that I think can be tied to children that's different from individualism, um, and that is pessimism about the future. Yes. Um, more than a few people are hesitant about bringing a child into a world that they have so little confidence in. Uh, so you have a mixture of individualism along, which I think is dominant. I think that's the, the biggest thing, but also just some raw pessimism and hesitancy about family life in light of a 
this world. Well, if religion and faith and family are at the bottom of the list, um, those of you listening might be wondering, okay, well, what was at the top of the list? Well, those values are hard work, self-fulfillment, and tolerance for others. Oh, and money, of course, money, um, in that order in particular. So what, but I was curious, Jim, do, would you have expected, you know, of all of those values for hard work to have made the top of the list? We, we may have read those results a little differently. Oh, okay. Um, hard work was near the top, but it also dropped in importance by 14 points from previous polling. Self-fulfillment, as mentioned, and tolerance for others also dropped. I mean, they may have been at the top, but they had dropped significantly. There's only one value that went up. When you dug into the findings and, and kind of read the fine print, there was only one value that went up in importance. And that was having money. Mm -hmm. And that did not surprise me. Uh, money is the ultimate reflection of individualism. You know, the I, me, mine mentality. And as Jesus says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And so there's this tie-in with what individual decisions that we've made as it relates to money. And, and, and it makes sense if we've made the individual everything, then money is going to be everything. Because those two are just joined at the hip. Uh, in that way. In fact, it's only a spiritual intervention, a spiritual new set of values that would separate money from individualism. Hmm. Uh, so I think this, this really is a profound spiritual reality. If individualism is the ultimate value and money is, then money will be what we value most. And because it is a God who serves us as opposed to a God we serve. And that becomes what will drive us. And that's where your allegiance, your priorities will be. Several years ago, I, I read a book. I, I doubt it's available. I'm not even sure we're going to put it in the show notes. I'll mention it because I don't think you can find it. It's out of print. But it was called The Day America Told the Truth. But we'll have our research folks see if they can find that. <laughs> but The Day America Told the Truth, and it was based on a series of surveys that was trying to get at what we really think and feel if we were to truth tell. And it had a whole chapter on money. And here's what they found, that for $10 million, one out of every four of us would abandon our friends as well as abandon our religious faith. We would also become a prostitute for a week. Oh, gosh. One out of every 14 of us for $10 million would murder someone. Um, then they lowered it to $5 million. They got the same results. They lowered it to 4 million and then 3 million. Same thing. They have no idea how low they could have gone and still had people do almost anything for money. So you really can see individualism as the almost the anti-God state of mind, the anti-value state of mind. And money is its barometer. Um, which is why, you know, you know, <laughs> The inside of Jesus rings clear, you know, where he said, um, you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one, love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both. You, it's not you can't be money smart and, and all that stuff, but you can't serve both. Um, they just have two separate values. They, they walk you in two different directions. They're like competing gods. And the reason is simple. They give different orders. They give different commands. They give different instructions. Um, if you obey money alone, you cannot help but disobey God because they just have diametrically different value systems. 
Uh, obviously, I'm not talking about what's involved in sound money management or investment or when uh, or the the importance of people building wealth and using that for kingdom purposes. I'm talking about when the orders money gives are in charge. Uh, when getting all you can and canning all you get and sitting on the can, as I used to say, <laughs> is your ultimate financial plan. When more, bigger, richer, faster, further, quicker, it becomes everything. When money becomes king, lord, and ruler, when it has more of a hold on you than God does, it becomes God. Now, much like I said, the dominant thing for children was individualism. I think the dominant thing for money is too. I do think there's another subset, like with children, they're pessimistic about the future. Mm -hmm. I also think that right now there's a lot of financial insecurity. And I think sure. when this poll was taking place, I mean, we're in the midst of what we're flirting with recession. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've got um, uh, high interest rates, kind of a tough housing market to break into. Um, and there's a lot of financial things going on. Obviously the war, in Ukraine and the threats of that expanding and just, I mean, it's, 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 it's uncertain times. And so that could also make another reason why people say, oh my gosh, you know, just money has got to become everything for me. Well, you've had such a great pulse on this. So I know that none of these findings were really surprising for you, but I'm just curious, like either as a cultural observer, like you are, or just as those of us who are listening and maybe don't have as much background um, with this or who are learning things from this poll, like what do we do with all of this other than just feel pretty sad for a little while? Like, what do you, what do you do with all of this information? How does that inform anything for you? I, I think, I think that we need to just understand and own that we're facing a crisis of values. It's not just American values. So many of these values are just deeply rooted in the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. um, and it reflects a wider cultural crisis. Uh, this generation is facing a profound spiritual emptiness. They, they've never, I mean, I'm just talking broad strokes, but that I, I think this is fitting. They've never encountered God. They've never experienced God, uh, at least by name. There's a vacuum, uh, a hole. They're left to feel the sickness of this world's disease, but they don't have a narrative for that disease. They don't have a story. They don't have a transcendent meaning or purpose that helps them understand the sickness or the things that they're dealing with. They have, so they have a crisis in values. They find themselves wanting them, needing them, but not having them and divorced from any way of, of, of finding them or molding them. Uh, there's a lack of vision. There's nothing calling them upward to be more than they are beyond themselves. Uh, they have empty souls. You know, they're not there. I've often I've often reflected and, and I think you've heard me say this, um, but uh, offline. But I, 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 I've often reflected on on Nietzsche. Who, who had that, you know, wrote that famous line, you know, God is dead. And, and I've often encouraged people, go back and blow off your college copy of that and read, read the wider context of that. Uh, Reread his essay. Because it's what he says later that I, I've always found the most profound and the most unsettling and the most uh, penetrating. He, he, he says, God is dead. And then he says, and it's we who have killed him. Hmm. A lot of people are saying, you know, and, and he says, we've killed him. And then he says, how shall we, the murderer of all murderers, ever comfort ourselves? Ever comfort ourselves? 
And, 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 and what he's trying to say is, is that, you know, whether almost like whether there's a God or not, we've decided there isn't. And, um, and what do we do now? I mean, what I'll give, give Nietzsche credit. He lived with the ramifications of his own worldview and philosophy, which was nihilism. Um, and anyway, and, and, but people that are feeling this, that hunger, that, that thirst for the spiritual, it reminds me of a, of a story Frederick Buechner tells of a boy, 12, 13 years old, who, um, in a fit of crazy anger or depression and got hold of a gun and he shot and he killed his father. And when the authorities asked the boy, you know, why had, why had he done this? The boy just says, because he couldn't stand his father. His father demanded too much of him because his father was always after him because he hated his father. Later, after he'd been placed in a house of, of detention, there was a guard that was walking down the hall, down the corridor late one night, and he heard noises coming from the boy's room. And he stopped to listen to what, what it was. And the words that he heard were the boy sobbing out in the dark over and over again. You know, I, I, I want my father. I want my father. And Beekner, I think, rightfully observes that the story of the boy is a kind of parable for our lives in our modern world. We've killed off our father, and now we feel the emptiness that it brings. So the real headline isn't the change in, in values as much as the loss of values and any sense of how to have any. So it, it, you know, for me, it was a grief to read all this, but it was also as, as someone who cares very deeply about the importance of the mission and reaching people for Christ is that this is, this is, this is not so much, it's a lament, but it's a call to arms. It's a call for individuals and churches to take very seriously the mission of Jesus to this world and uh, realizing that lost people matter to God and we're to do everything that we can to reach them. Uh, with the one message that can be transformative, the one set of values that can be gained and be permanent, the thing that can revolutionize a life, that can restore a father, um, that can bring hope where there's hopelessness. And everything that we've charted today would be radically different if intersected, if those deep needs were intersected by Christ. And the beauty of it is, of it is, is that power is there and that reality is there and that intersection is there. And so um, lament, grief, called arms. I love that. We're going to include the results of the survey in the show notes because there's so much that we did not get to. And I, I was telling Jim when I read the results, I was like, we could do multiple podcasts on this. There's so much here. Um, but so I, I would just encourage you to just spend some time looking through them. And I was just thinking too, Jim, as you were talking, like, you articulated so well the difference Like you cannot serve both God and money. And so you see that like um, in that list of you've got money at the top and you've got God at the very bottom. But what's also be very beautiful to consider is that, you know, it's been said before that Jesus's message is that of an upside down kingdom. And so if you inverted that list and you, and you have God at the top, you know, which is then closely followed by, you know, family and, you know, marriage and community, that is such a beautiful vision to live for. And so it's self convicting of, you know, is God very important to me? And if not, you know, are these other values, you know, that are listening higher, are those more prevalent in my life? Or am I really living out kingdom values if I inverted that? Can, is there a way that 
we or the church can can live out a different reality, which I think would be really beautiful. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. um, And I hope you guys will tune in again next week for another great conversation.